everybody we made it that february was too long by the way i had a proposal i put this online and actually got a lot of good traction people always talk about should like voting be a holiday well leap years always fall on election years right we have an extra day built into the calendar the 29th of february why not make that voting day we can just change it up right rules are fake we can make an amendment to the constitution leap day voting day i'm out there vote for Dooner 2028 on leap day um, by the way, some big news to kick us off before we get some guests here. Check this out. What the Truck now is going to be syndicated on Road Dog Trucking, Sirius XM. That's channel 146. A little bit of a homecoming for me. Used to host our Saturday show on there for a couple of years. Uh, Grace has been running the thing in that drive time hour, 5 p.m. She's still going to be around. She'll be doing Tuesdays and Thursdays. What the Truck will be. Uh, the show itself isn't changing. Like the live stream, the podcast, everything you hear, the thing we're recording right now, that is just being replayed. What we record at noon will be replayed on Sirius XM, 5 p.m. Whole new audience, whole new reach. Great for you guests. Great for those listeners who have who don't know how to play podcasts haven't played podcasts haven't experienced what the truck we're super excited about it big initiative this year and also another cool thing about the platform is even though a lot of the time it'll just be a replay of the show we also have the opportunity to do some live things with this as well for example going to matt's in a couple weeks here in march we'll be doing not only what the trucks from matt's but we'll also be doing a couple episodes of the uh the radio show at 5 p.m just straight live from Matt's. It'll be an awesome time. By the way, you've probably all heard about the storm. Uh, take a look at this video. This is from yesterday before the snow even really started coming down bad. This is in the Sierra Nevadas. It's a storm that the Weather Channel is calling Winter Storm Orzel. Interesting. And it says it was named that by the Weather Channel. I didn't I didn't know if they're like the governing body on storm names. But either way, 2 News Nevada says I-80 East closure. This is why I-80 East, east of Donner Lake, is closed. CHP Truckee says the driver was not seriously hurt. There's no estimated time on when the crash site will be cleared. This happened yesterday, so I'm sure that's out. Fortunately, that driver was not hurt. But as you may know, they're now predicting 10 to 12 feet of snow could be coming through the area. That's just insane. Not inches, feet of snow. Insane. It says here at a glance, a powerful Pacific storm pushing through the West Coast. It will bring low elevation rain and mountain snow to much of the Northwest and Northern Rockies. But its most severe impacts are likely in California, Sierra, Nevada mountains. Blizzard conditions are likely and accumulations will be measured in multiple feet in the Sierra. This will likely be the heaviest snowstorm since about this time last year. Donner's always dangerous. Couple of you chiming in. Donald Legel says, stuff is no joke. You have to respect the conditions. Early in my career when I drove 48 and Canada, Donner Pass, Dead Man Pass, and Oregon and Soldier Summit in Utah were ones that always gave me jitters in the winter. T.J. Knudsen says, he, he says, anything under 11 feet is not considered an act of God, according to local shippers. Chris Hampton says, not a single shipment is worth getting a driver hurt. They all have families to go home to. Absolutely. And Bruce Lynch says, gust today up to 100 miles per hour, 6 to 10 feet of snow through the weekend. I'm sure I-80 will be closed. Customers must understand safety first. So yes, all of you, Keep that in mind. I-80 is a mess right now. One more news piece we got to get to before we get to our guest. Shelly Simpson, congratulations. A little cowbell for her. 
She has been named, and by the way, this is like Women's History Month. So to kick off Women's History Month, we get J.B. Hunt naming Shelly Simpson as CEO. Now, this is a long-expected move. If you follow Shelly, she's been making moves towards this for her very long storied career over at J.B. Hunt. And she put out a great statement about this on LinkedIn. I'll read a little bit of it to you. She says, in 1994, I started my career as an hourly customer service representative. I knew quickly I had joined an innovative company, a leader in the transportation logistics industry. One built with integrity by founders Mr. and Mrs. Hunt, driven by the strong say-do culture and focused on taking great care of people. Two years ago, when I stepped into the role of president, I had the opportunity to learn about this company all over again through the eyes of our people on the road and at locations across the country and from every person who shared their experience and perspective with me. And I was reminded again that a company like ours isn't created overnight. Well, Shelly, great job. Uh, Bright road ahead for J.B. Hunt with you at the helm. Can't wait. I'll have to have you on soon, too, to talk about uh, what you're going to kick off. But now we got to get into today's show. This is episode 688 of What the Truck. And on it, I'm talking to Via Croatia's president, Zonomir Adriak, about their crazy idea to play pickleball at sea. How does that even work? We'll learn about the logistics behind the experience. Coming up in just a second, I have the ladies from 32 Truckers a Day. It's a charitable organization that focuses on truck driver mental health. The group gets its name from the statistic that 32 truck drivers a day either contemplate or commit suicide. We'll meet their founders and learn how drivers can get some help with this very important topic. We got Yard Management Solutions' Colin Mansfield. He discusses trends in yard management, why RFID is on the way out, bad YMS, and the Courtney Kardashian caper, this $4 million theft. We'll find out how he thinks it may have happened. And we also got E2 Opens, Powan Joshi. He breaks down the data at driving ocean shipping and manufacturing. It's a cavalry of freight headed to our shores. God, I hope so. But right now, 32 truckers a day is here with us. Uh, I believe we at least have one of the ladies. It is, uh, well, introduce yourself. Bring her on up. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to What the Truck. Hey there. Did I freeze? What's up? Do we, uh, guys in the back, do we need to call out to her maybe? Do you need a phoner? I can't hear her at all. Seems like there's a big delay. Someone please advise. Anybody? All right, so we'll get back to her. Can you guys, can you guys do a phoner? Can someone confirm that? Can you get her back up? All right, and joining us now, 32 days a trucker. It's 32 days. Wait, 32 trucks a day. 32 truckers a day. I am sorry, little frazzled. 32 truckers a day. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, did, was Candace able to get in? The only one I have here is, is you. Could you introduce yourself to our lovely audience? Uh, my name is Lisa Trout. I'm one of the co-founders of 32 Truckers a Day. Well, it's very, very nice to meet you. Now, for those who may not know, what does 32 Truckers a Day do? 32 Truckers a Day, we, I'm going to tell you a little bit how we started. Uh, we had a girls chat group with just a bunch of women. And one of the women messaged us one night and said she had not eaten in three days. And we said, that's just unacceptable. So all of us got together, sent her some money to be able to get some food. And then after that, Myself and Candace and Lily got together and said, we need to do something for these truck drivers. So that's how 32 Truckers a Day started. Wow. So fascinating story. Now, do, do you have a background in that? Do you and your founders have a background in this? How did you um, key in on trucking and truckers and that mental health? 
I have uh, been in trucking pretty much all my life. I'm 54. I've been in the truck with my husband for 25 years. He's been a driver for 38 years. Candace has been in the truck. Candace's husband has been driving for over 25 years, and she's been in the truck with him for the past eight. Lily has been a driver for over 20 years also. So we've been out here on the streets. We see what's going on, and we've seen it for a long time. Well, hey, p- powerful stuff. Now, what kind of services do does this group provide, does this community provide to drivers? Well, now I wanted Candace, she, she handles a lot. We have a phone line. We have a 188 number. If you go to our TikTok page, our Facebook page, or our um, website, there's an 888 number. It is manned all the time. We have three lines. If you feel like you need assistance, you call that line. We have an application you can fill out. We will talk to any driver who who needs help or is feeling he needs a you know he needs a, a health check because we all know on the road your mind is the darkest place you can be. Oh and no, so no doubt about it. They can. Hello. We've stayed on the phone with drivers Hello? while. Oh, is Candace here? Oh, Candace, we have you now, too. go ahead and explain. Candace? Hi, nice to meet you. Hello? Hi, Candace, nice nice to to meet you. you. Candace, introduce yourself to the audience here. I'm Candace. Candace, I am one of the founders of 32 Truckers a Day. Um, Sorry, I had some technical difficulties. I'm a little late. It's all right. You know, we, we were all having a little technical difficulties. We'll figure it out. And the magic of editing is we can... Fix it in post. Clean it up a little bit. Brush around the corners. That's now, right. I asked before you came up. I asked Lily. Uh, I asked Lisa a question about what services you provide, and she said, "You know what? I wish Candace was here." And then the phone started ringing, and you are here. So, tell us about the services you all do. <laughs> um. So we have our. I guess our our main one that we have is we do have a hotline where drivers can call, and it's not. A profession we, we're not professionals but we do have a hotline if you're in traffic and you just i mean if they just have like they need to yell and scream at someone instead of keeping that all bottled up they can call and talk to us and we'll take you know the brunt of all the yelling and the hollering um we do um a motivational monday speak um live on tiktok where we just talk about you know ways to cope with um, depression or anxiety or just having a bad day. Um, we do shower bags where we hand out shower bags um, at random truck stops. We help with hot meals. We help with shower credits. Um, we've sent groceries to truck drivers. We, we do an array of different things. A lot of support. Now, you're doing the Lord's work out there. How can we all better support truck drivers, though, in your opinion? How can we, how can we, how can we be doing the right thing? Um, I think to, to help support truck drivers is know that, you know, this is a lifestyle that these guys and gals have chosen to, to be a part of. And it's not really that they've chosen, but it, it's a lifestyle that they've come to be a part of. And if, if you see a driver who's down or you see a driver who needs help, help them because without them, you wouldn't have, we wouldn't have anything. You wouldn't have the cars that you're driving. You wouldn't have groceries in your store. Um, and, and some people are just nasty to truck drivers and 
they keep America moving. They're kind of like the military and the farmers and the truck drivers. You know, one thing that we rely on a lot is we have a 360 app for 32 truckers a day. And if you join our 360 app, you can see where other truckers are. So if we have a truck driver that says, listen, I haven't eaten today, we can look on our 360 app and say, oh, hey, Lisa's husband is 10 miles down the road from you. I'm going to call him and see if he has some extra food in his truck. So we do things like that to try and help mm-hmm. the drivers that need something. Very well, yeah. very. Now, I get it. Your name is kind of it comes from a very dark statistic, right? 32 truckers a day is about 32 truckers a day um, uh, contemplating or committing suicide. Uh, how bad is the scope of depression in, in the cab with drivers? Because it doesn't get talked enough enough. And maybe it's because it's such a male dominated industry. It doesn't seem sort of, I guess, macho to talk about mental health. But I'm glad a lot of that's changing. Yes, um, it, it, you're, you're exactly right. It doesn't get talked about enough because it is, you know, that the world has put a stigma on mental health that suck it up and, and deal with it. And that's not the case because a lot of people can't do that. Depression is, I mean, when you put yourself into the cab of a truck, I mean, you're pretty much putting yourself in like a cell. And you have four walls and nothing but miles to drive. And it, it is becoming more and more prominent. I mean, we, just this week, this, this last month in February, we had 136 calls. And 90% of those were just drivers who were feeling depressed and feeling down on themselves. And we have noticed, you know, that Mondays, are the bigger days where people are leaving their families. They're going back out on the road. Um, and you know, they feel holidays. They feel crappy because they leave their home. And, you know, let's face it. We, when we hit the road, we don't know if we're going to make it back. And that's, that's super depressing, especially when you have a family at home. Oh, no doubt. It's interesting. You mentioned Monday too, because that the idea of that grind just starts to seep back into you. Yes. I, I was just going to say, too, you know, on our 888 number, if, if you don't want to talk to one of us ladies, we all have husbands that are willing to take the phone if a male does not want to talk to a female. We also have my husband who is a veteran. So if you're, you call and you're a veteran and you just need to talk to someone, but you, you want to talk to somebody else who's been through what you've been through, then I can give the phone to my husband. So we have an array of people that will talk. Interesting. Now, um, you also mentioned you have sort of other community things like game nights and those things. I was reading a little bit on on your site. How does that stuff? How does that stuff work? How do you bring like the community into it too? Because you know, isolation is is such a big thing. We mentioned it in the cab, and you know, there's this this big worker report too, and it's like the depression Gen Z is facing because some of them are have been computer oriented and they don't have uh they don't have like that in person relationships, which you know drivers have been dealing with for a long time. How do you get them to get involved with other people? Our game nights are so fun. Um, and the drivers love it because it's kind of an escape. And we do, so we'll go live on our TikTok page and they all know Friday at eight o'clock, 32, it's game night. It's time to play. And they're so funny and they're so competitive when they come in, but it's so good to see them just escape that trucking world 
and we'll do different things. Like we play Jeopardy, um, where we we have a whole board set up, and we'll bounce around from the three of us, um, and we'll ask questions that are different points, just like Jeopardy. And the person at the end of the night with the most points wins. Um, I, we do like $25 cash app. So we do um, tumblers, stickers. Um, we have some seasoning that was there, donated from Oh Hell Yeah, Bear the Voice. Um, so we just we, we just throw out a prize for them. Um, we do music trivia. We do a, one called a scavenger hunt where we will include also the family members. Like they can get in the box and they can will say, hey, show me um, salt and pepper. And the first two with it in the screen stay on, on in the live, and then the third one gets bounced out, and you have to request again. And then we go down through the line and bring them back up so that we always have three, and we just rotate them in and out. And the person left in the box at the end wins the prize that night. We do uh, the scavenger hunt. We do um, truck and movie trivia. We've done that one. Um, we've done Name different genres of movies. Name that tune, yeah. And they get so involved, and, and it also gets the families involved, too, because also on Wednesday night, we do what, what we've called the trucker talk cook-off, and oh, I love it. Um, they, have, they have to cook in their truck, and they're so competitive with each other, and it just it's another way for them to, you know, get out of their head. They compete with each other, and they cook all, they have an hour, and we have a theme, and they have to cook something in that theme. And whoever wins by the voting is done by everyone in the live. And we'll put up a poll when whoever wins gets to pick the theme for the next night. And they win an apron with their name on it. They, wow. It's just we, we tried to think of different ways that would, you know, bring them not really out of the truck, but give them a way to escape reality for an hour or two. And you ever need a... Do you ever need a cook-off, Judge? Uh, <laughs> let me know. I'll, I'll come down to the lot for you. Now, we're just about out of time, but I want to I send people in the right direction. How do they contact you? How do they support your group? How do they get involved? Um, we are on all social media platforms, um, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under 32 truckers a day. Also, um, in our TikTok lot, um, profile, there's a beacon that has a link to everything that we do. Um, and they can find it in there. And our 888 number is one 675 2565 And you can call or text that number at any time, 24-7, and it's completely confidential. It is HIPAA approved. So if you just want to call anonymous, we don't get your number. It comes through as 32 truckers a day. Hey, ladies, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. And um, I hope some of them, I hope some of those truckers reach out to you and they get the help that they need. Thank you so much. Have an awesome weekend. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thank you too. too. Take it easy. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, take a look at this here, by the way. Mario, safety first on Twitter. He says, uh, inland container ship strikes Williams Bregg in Rotterdam City on the morning of March 1st today, an inland container ship became lodged beneath the iconic Williams Brug in the heart of Rotterdam, Netherlands. See, it's not just truck drivers that hit these bridges. It's not just truck drivers that can measure. I don't know if they can let the air out of the tires, though, to just let that go through. But those boxes got wrecked. All oh, your Timos destroyed people. It's fought in the water. John Filson says, come on. I've always thought the Dutch were too smart to do something so stupid. I don't know, man. John Reynolds Chief says, as a mariner, I feel for those poor bees. <laughs> Matt Weaver says, don't tell me the navigator forgot about high tide. 
offshore captain says the Dutch built a strong bridge. Yeah, they sure did. Stronger than the boat. Versatile says astounding. I'll, it'll be interesting to hear how it all came about. And Barry Card said, uh, yeah, that'll buff out. Interesting. All right. Let's get to our next guest. It's Colin Mansfield. He's a VP over at Yard Management Solutions. Colin, what's up, brother? You're on mute. Oh, am I on mute? Oh, I got you now. I got you now. There, you got You're me good. now? Yeah. All right, cool. Very good. How are you doing, man? What's up, man? You, yeah, I didn't know this about you. I was, I was like cyber stalking you. I was looking at your background. I didn't know you used to be a congressional intern. What did, what did you learn while you were a congressional intern? <laughs> that interns give a lot of tours of the Capitol building. <laughs> That's Is that like the I main learned. job? Just you're like yeah. a tour guide? <laughs> for sure. Gopher and tour guides. You were also in the army for quite some time. What did you learn about logistics from the army? Yeah, no, um, that was really my first, I guess, uh, insight into how logistics works at all. Um, I was an air defense artillery officer in the United States Army um, and saw a lot of inefficiency, saw a lot of uh, people doing their absolute best, a lot of really good people and really bad systems. Um, And I never really thought I would be interested in logistics and then ended up working for Yard Management Solutions after I got out of the Army. Um, and now I feel like I'm kind of paying it back to my old self, like, hey, let's help get some of those systems much better than what you saw back when you were in the in the army. Well, we have a caper to solve and you, you couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, <laughs> our national nightmare has happened. Courtney Kardashian, her Lemmy supplements over four million dollars of these. And so many people were like, I don't think that's the commercial invoice value. Like, guys, I don't know what she insured it for. The article says four million. It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe it's less, maybe it's more. But either way, it was a lot of these probiotic gummies got stolen out of the lot. And here's the only real info we have. It says it was in San Fernando Valley where it was parked. They used fake paperwork and ID to enter the lot, then drove off with the product in tow before anyone realized what happened. And uh, <laughs> okay. we got a meme right here, too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's put yeah. the Sherlock Holmes hat on here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell oh, me, what do you God. think happened here? Well, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things could have happened. I'll tell you what I think with the very you know, little information TMZ is able to provide us online. Uh, to me, it sounds like they said the system got hacked. Okay, maybe, maybe. I think more realistically, somebody showed up to that facility, to that gate where those poor gate employees are sitting there just trying to do their job, trying to get trailers in and out. And they probably had some sort of BOL or official looking paperwork that said, I'm supposed to be here. And they waltzed in, they grabbed the truck and they waltzed out. If I had to put money on it, something like that happened. Uh, and this is why, you know, my, my company provides a yard management system. This is why something like a YMS is critical, because if you know what's supposed to come into your yard, when it's supposed to be there, who's it, it's supposed to be taking a trailer and when they're supposed to be leaving, this sort of thing is totally avoidable. When you don't, you get, you know, on TMZ for it. <laughs> Do you think, you know, how like Taylor Swift was a bit of a catalyst for some AI regulation? Do you think Kourtney Kardashian could be a catalyst for some freight fraud regulation we talk about it so much but now we have like the face of it yeah maybe maybe um you know i I think it's always a little bit hard to tell how seriously celebrities celebrities take things like this um but you're right when when it comes to enforcing legislation i mean freight fraud i heard the story the other day of one of my coworkers uh who worked at an organization uh that you know had a whole trailer load of refrigerators get stolen right from under their nose you know uh so this this happens uh, it doesn't get reported quite as often as when it happens to a Kardashian, 
Um, but it is an avoidable thing that a lot of facilities, when they feel it, they go, oh, shoot, we never want this to happen again. And they end up looking for some sort of system or product or something to keep from making the, the front page news again. Colin, does RFID fix this? Or is it, as some people say, yourself maybe included, is RFID on the way out? And if so, what are we going to use instead to protect Kim Kardashian or Courtney Kardashian's freight? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, RFID has had its time in the sun and it's served a lot of operations very, very well. I don't have any beef against RFID, you know, personally, but it's one of those technologies that's overstayed its welcome. It's been around for so long. It's very expensive to implement. I know I'm probably rubbing people, a lot of people the wrong way by saying this, but there's better solutions out there. A lot of operations we talk to are trying to consider, we really want the live visibility, but we also you know, don't want that to come at the cost of uh, having to replace these tags every time a trailer comes in or out of the yard, having to you know, lose a tag in the wintertime if they're up in Canada. So this is the type of thing that when we look at cost-benefit analysis, RFID ends up just having way too high of a cost. And the benefits often are not nearly as accurate as people think or want them to be. Um, so from a technology standpoint, there's if, if you really want to go to the sensor route, there's some other great options. Um, we see a lot of GPS sensors, you know, really going the extra mile these days and providing uh, down to, you know, single digit foot awareness of where a trailer or where an asset is in the yard. Um, but a lot of companies, honestly, just to just to be real with you, Dooner, a lot of companies could benefit just from a process driven system where they go, hey, I told the driver to park in spot 30. That's where the trailer is. You don't need a sensor. You don't need something that's going to be a huge uh, upfront cost to implement. You really need something that's going to give you a simple map, some alerts, some awareness. A lot of companies don't have that at all. So I think starting with something simple and seeing what your needs are from that is a, is a great best practice. Colin, driver detention, it, uh, whenever we talk about driver retention, driver detention is something that comes <laughs> out and how it wears down on drivers, what part of the yard is responsible for making sure drivers aren't detained and what can help with that? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. I, I was amazed when I was at F3 uh, last year, I was amazed talking to not just people who are, you know, brokers, people who work with freight, but also truck drivers themselves and then facility managers. Nobody likes driver detention. No, you know, everybody wants uh, those drivers to get where they need to go, get their job done and get moving. Drivers probably most of all, but facilities hate paying that as well. So when when I hear that a company's paying $500,000 a year in driver detention just because they don't have visibility, uh, it makes me sick. Honestly, it makes me sick. So to, to answer your question, you know, how can facilities fight this? Look, it's very simple. All you need is you need the ability to see when a trailer arrived on the lot, how long it's been there, and how long until that detention kicks into gear, a preset rule, basically. Um, a system like ours basically turns a trailer red, letting you know, hey, this is approaching detention or this is at detention, it's time to move it out of the yard. Um, and regardless of where that trailer is, if it's at the docks, if it's sitting out in the yard, uh, if it's at some sort of you know waiting area, the dirt parking lot across the road, whatever, we can send text messages, emails, notifications. We had one facility that was a just-in-time facility that needed alerts all the way up to the CEO if something went wrong at their production plant. Driver detention is one of those things that is totally preventable when you have a system giving you those live updates and awareness. And back to your point about RFID, a lot of companies think, okay, we need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get there. No, you don't. 
The reality is that you can implement something very simply and effectively, get it going in a few weeks. And that detention problem, no lie, 90 to 95% reduction. We've had customers save 500 grand. We've had customers save 2.5 million annual expenses. That's probably not the norm, right? Most companies aren't spending that much, but if you are, there's a way out. Yard checks, are they inevitable? Can we get can we get rid of them? Can we use automation, AI, all these promises to completely remove yard checks? I, I've seen a lot of organizations, a lot of new newer companies, and actually one uh, had a there was a press release a couple of days ago from one of the big WMS systems. Uh, you know, computer vision and uh, you know machine learning. These are all great technologies. Look, I use AI every day in my in my day to day work for just you know stuff online. Um, all great technologies. Uh, but the reality is that what a lot of companies are sort of hinting at is that, look, we you'll never have to walk around the yard again. Nobody will ever have to walk around the yard and find something ever again. Um, and I think they're setting expectations that are difficult to attain, if not impossible to attain. The reality is that yard checks are something that companies are spending too much time doing. And if you can cut yard checks in half, 50% or more, if you can uh, uh, cut the amount of time a yard check takes incredible benefits, right? But the saying, hey, you'll never have to do a yard check again. Just put a drone up in the sky or just have a camera on the building. What if it's foggy, right? What if there's snow? What if it's rainy? What if it's nighttime? These are things that a lot of these companies, I think, uh, are working on addressing. I'm interested to see where those technologies go. But the reality is that you don't need something like that um, realistically to, to get good visibility. Yard checks are annoying, we, we, our, our customers report 50% reduction in having to do them and, and the time it takes to do them. And we think that that's a great start. 60 seconds or less, because we're a little short on time. This is the lightning question. It's about bad WMS. Is WMS just table stakes? If I have a big TMS provider who's also offering YMS, should I go and take it or should I be concerned? I'll give you the 60 second version. We got a whole podcast on this. That's like 30 <laughs> minutes long, man. Uh, no, don't do a bolt on WMS or don't do a bolt on YMS from a WMS or from a TMS vendor. Uh, they often, and nothing against these vendors, they're great people, great companies. The YMS gets treated as an afterthought. It gets treated as a nice to have, a maybe you'd like that. The reality is that modern shipping yards deserve modern software that streamlines their operations, not an afterthought, not something that's going to get the bottom of the barrel in terms of support. Um, so do yourselves a favor. You know, you wouldn't use Apple Notes to manage a huge project in your company. Uh, don't use a software tool that's an afterthought. That's something that's not going to cut the mustard to manage your operation, to manage your yard. Nice job. You've run out of time. Awesome. Amazing. Go check out my buddy Colin Mansfield. He's a great veteran. He's a yard management expert. I think he even used to do a podcast about coffee in Idaho. I went deep. True. I went it's deep. true. I went deep. Well, hey, thank you so much for stopping by. Have an awesome weekend, man. I'll hey, see you on, thanks, on Twitter. <laughs> take yeah, care. Take care. All right, everybody elsewhere. Let's take a look at this. It's like the little Suez Canal digger over there. <laughs> I don't know if this guy's going to get it done. Trucker Mike says, those aren't bounty there, bud. You're going to need more of these. Ben Van Zee says, it's going to be a long day. Ruby Hurt says, at least it's jet fuel. Evaporates fast as anything. He can save the Zorbs. Sorry, he can stand the fumes. Yeah, I would imagine, like, is that good? You can't stand there for that long. <laughs> Just an old Marine says, there's some serious training issues going on in this video. Andrew Donaldson says, this crushes my flight line soul in ways I can't put into words. And Corey says, he's going to need at least one bag of kitty litter. Yeah. Yeah, if not two. Glad that's not my job. 
We got a guest now, Pawan Joshi, EVP of Products and Strategy over at E2Open. Hello, sir. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So, hey, introduce yourself real quick to everybody who, if they haven't met you before. Sure. My name is Pawan Joshi at E2Open. I'm responsible for all our products and strategy. I've been with the company 21 years in the supply chain space for my entire career. All right. Well, hey, I got a chart for you to kick things off. A lot of people are talking about the freight market recovery, and that can potentially start overseas with manufacturing and with imports. However, when I look at this chart, it's Mm -hmm. an okay chart. This is showing bookings overseas. These aren't coming into the U.S. yet. This is overseas bookings. We did have Chinese New Year, so you see that big drop down. But seasonally, we're kind of in line with last last year. We'd love to see this, this jump up. What are you seeing overseas? What are overseas telling us right now? Yeah, I think this is this is trending in the right direction, right? We saw a big mismatch, um, you know, during the pandemic, leading up to the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. Um, I think the last year was a recovery year for, um, you know, all of us. So this coming back is is a sign of, you know, the inventory is going back to normal, production going back to normal, uh, the demand, of course, um, you know, stabilizing. Uh, we still face some macroeconomic pressures pretty much around the globe, but this is really an indication of the fact that we're getting to, you know, what, what used to be a normal uh, and hopefully will continue for some period of time. And you rightly point out, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the shipping, especially if you start looking at finished goods coming into the, into uh, the Western hemisphere starts off with bookings originating in Asia. And this is a good leading indicator of the fact that we are seeing, um, you know, things coming back to normal. How concerned when we look at this chart, should we be about, for example, the Red Sea conflict that's going on? Yeah, I think I think we should not be as concerned as uh, you know we we tend to be as a, as you know you react to uh, with the news media's and social media. Um, I think the Red Sea uh, conflict and the impact came at a time which was um, you know unfortunate, but it came at a time where the impact was in many ways minimized. Right, you th- start thinking about the lead up to uh, you know the Chinese New Year and a lot of inventories getting positioned in the right place at the right time in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, as well as production um, raw materials that go from the Western Hemisphere and over to Asia, uh, getting pre-positioned um, because of ports and uh, and factories going offline for a couple of a couple of weeks. So this was all building up before the Red Sea um, uh, impact started happening. So a lot of the a lot of the immediate uh, impact that could have happened was minimized. Uh, the second thing to also think about, you know, is the backdrop. You know, we were over over capacity from a ocean shipping standpoint. Uh, we had seen, you know. A uh, fairly large number of, uh, you know, blank sailings. Uh, we had seen some overcapacity. We had seen, you know, I keep saying macroeconomic conditions uh, brought the demand a little bit lower than what uh, we would ex- have expected it to be. So those are all all opportunities where, you know, uh, a longer sailing time, you know, rather than taking the Suez Canal through the Red Sea, going around uh, Africa allowed us uh, that that longer time um, was okay enough and we could buffer it. Yes, there were some impacts. We heard, you know, some automotive companies uh, that typically tend to operate in just-in-time mode were impacted. Some production lines were impacted. But overall, you know, by, uh, by and large, we were able to deal with that impact uh, pretty pretty uh, okay. Uh, the the longer-term impact, now everybody is now accounted for the fact that we'll take, you know, a, the, the longer uh, journey around Africa for a period of time. That's all baked into the supply chain um, decision-making process into the transportation lead times. 
So the recovery uh, uh, and the uh, and the absorption of some of those things have already been taken uh, have accounted for in in our decision making process. Um, and so I don't I don't see Red Sea kind of continuing to be a bigger impact from a logistics standpoint. Um, Overcapacity um, has been taken over because you have you know 20, 15, 20 days worth of extra sailing time uh, accounts for the extra shipping capacity that has been available. The only impact that we probably see is the cost. You know, longer voyages mean you know longer fuel, longer duration for the crews, and um, you know increase costs. And that would be, I would say, the the impact. It won't necessarily be the shortage of products. It'll be essentially products costing a little bit more as you know the cost gets passed over to you and I's and consumers. Yeah, well, look, sign of the times, I can't really go an episode anymore and for the past six months without mentioning AI in some way, form or facet. How are you all using AI now in terms of data and making actionable real-time data, AI coming together? How is that working out in this space? Yeah, so for us, AI has been around for a long period of time, right? If you if you double-click on what AI really means, it's been around for like the 15, 20 years. And the concepts of AI go even further back. I think we're finally reaching a point where the amount of compute that AI needs and the use cases and the data that AI needs is finally being available. And you know, as we look at E2Open, at E2Open, essentially we are creating a platform um, on which you know, our customers can run their end-to-end supply chain, all the way from you know, how raw materials are procured three, four, five tiers upstream to how finished goods are distributed in another three, four, five years, uh, three, four, five tiers downstream. Uh, we also look at logistics in between, uh, transportation across all modes. We also look at trade and um, you know trade uh, capabilities around, uh, across the mode. So for us, as we look at these massive amounts of data that we move around and the decisions that need to be made using this data, you cannot expect a human to, to uh, make that decision by staring at screens. We have to automate that process. And that's really what we've been doing for the last you know, 23, 24 years of Edo Open. Uh, Let me ask you a quick question, because you, you got me curious. You, you mentioned that, that manufacturing and projecting out for mm-hmm. a few years. Is that data giving you any confidence whatsoever that we may see a freight market recovery in the second half of this year? I think this is the this is absolutely see the, at the end of the day it's all about demand supply balancing right when when our macroeconomic conditions get back and our demand goes back up you know the rest of the rest of the supply chain would kick in and that the reason for us as we look at supply chains is we do not want to think about them as silos so the recovery in the demand should have a recovery on the manufacturing side and that manufacturing side recovery cannot support the demand recovery if there is not the transportation capacity that's available in the middle to move products around. So this is really, if you think about supply chains, the movement of material is continuous. We have broken down the decision-making process into something we call supply versus demand versus transportation versus trade. It's all it's all one, it's all linked together. So when we think about recovery on, on the demand side, naturally it'll be a recovery on the supply side and that those recoveries cannot be possible unless you know there's recovery on the, on the transportation side. So thinking about this holistically, we have to look at it that way, and, and and you know you see the trends coming back up. You see the trends, um, you know, going back to the pre-pandemic days around ocean transportation coming back up. You're seeing the trends around freight rates um, coming back up. You see the, uh, the spot rates versus the the contracted rates. You know that that gap narrowing down. Um, the the projection that you just show, uh, you know, kind of started this discussion with uh, also is a leading indicator that when when the uh, bookings on the, from the East to the West uh, go back to uh, somewhat normal. You know that starts to signify a recovery, which means that our transportation needs um, within region, within continent, are going to go back up. Um, so that's that's all I think goodness. Uh, 
the the only thing we need to watch out is the macroeconomic conditions, right? Which is where you know at the end of the day, if there if the demand um, you know dips a little bit, you'll see a dip follow through across all of these areas. So that's that's really how we how we look at it. Powan, thank you so much for the insights. Everybody, check out E2 Open. Powan, you have an amazing weekend. Thank you for kind of letting us happen. What's on the other side of the world? E2 Open, great platform. All of you, go check it out. Go talk to Powan. Go talk to the team over there. Go get a demo. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Take it easy. All right, everybody, break the strap work, and this one's going to horrify everybody. Look at this. Like, what is this guy even doing? Is this stage for the gram? Some people were saying this was staged, but why would this guy destroy like a single body truck like this? He took the strap, he connects it to his wheel, and he's driving away. And what's even more horrifying is like, look, he notices that something is like slowing him down, so he jams on the gas even harder, yanking against it. Jay Mysterious says, that's a classic truck. He's mad. Not a cat says, the lack of a license plate makes me think that the dentist in a cowboy hat just bought this truck. Didn't take long for him to make it old again. And Sidney Anderson, this is so absurd. One starts to wonder if someone did it to him without his knowledge. I, you know, you see that cowboy hat. I think it's uh, all hat, no cattle. We got our next guest now over from Via Croatia. Time to talk a little pickleball. I think. Where'd he go? Where is he? Zvonimir. I'm in. Here we go. <laughs> sorry. He's back. He was getting a little yeah, pickleball. Yeah, sorry. I had a... Hi. Hey, introduce Hi. yourself to everybody. Hi, my name is Vladimir. I know probably most of you cannot pronounce my name. <laughs> it's a very long, weird Croatian name. So I go by Z. And uh, actually, I run, uh, I run a travel company uh, in the United States uh, and in Croatia as well. We have uh, different types of boats. We do luxury FITs. And there is a big uh, you know, news about pickleball in Croatia. So... That's why I got invited to here, and thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you. Oh, you know, I saw, I got this PR request, and it was a little crazy at first. It was like, wow, pickleball at sea, and this picture was attached to it of people on like a pickleball barge of some sort. What is, what is your crazy idea here? What are you guys coming up with? Well, <laughs> this is actually um, an AI photo, so just so people don't get a wrong, sure. wrong idea, but it's going to look pretty similar to this. Um, you know, pickleball in Croatia, it's extremely new. Like, we don't have courts to play. Uh, even, you know, the tennis courts that are getting, you know, kind of re rebuilt into like a pickleball court, um, it's a lot of work and, and there are very few. And we have these yachts out on the sea. And I just came up to an idea because we had a badminton and volleyball courts on sea. So I'm like, hey, why don't we do a pickleball court, you know, on sea? where you can literally just go in a bay, park your yacht, and play pickable wherever you can, you know, be completely independent of the courts that are around Croatia. And let me tell you, uh, we put the word out, and we are getting bookings like crazy. Like, people are just going like, wow, pickable at sea in the middle of Croatia, in the middle of the Adriatic? That's amazing. So... Uh, it's working really, really well, and uh, we are looking so much forward to the summer to put this into play. So, see, how do these like trips work? Is it just someone like on land in Croatia is like, I want to play pickleball? They go out for an hour or two. Or are these people traveling? Is this like a destination kind of thing where you do a a travel package? What does that kind of look like? So basically, our company works only with travel agents. We don't sell directly to the public, and we have uh, agents basically, you know, selling the whole charters to pickable clubs 
and just creating different types of trips based on the preferences, you know, some are doing literally pickable plays every day. Some are coming for, you know, longer stays. So they are combining Italy and Croatia, you know, land of Croatia and, and the yacht charters. So it's very much variations. But, uh, you know, there are a couple of the travel agents that are selling us, one of them being Gabriella, who actually introduced us as well. So, you know, if there is anybody interested, they can always reach out to us and we will connect you to the guys who are actually organized this and you can just get your spot on it. But uh, as far as the charter goes, it's, you know, basically full out buyouts. So these charters have, you know, 10 to 15 cabins in total. So if you have, you know, 20, 30 people who you play pickable with, you can literally take over the whole yacht yourself and we can customize the itinerary, customize the stop and just let you know, you know, where you can play pickable within your itinerary. But everything is completely customizable. And yeah, check this video out. It's basically, you know, how Croatia looks like. And uh, you, I think you would agree it wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad place to play pickable at. No, yeah, it's it's beautiful. I what I always what I found almost most interesting when I was looking at this is like Croatia looks beautiful. Isn't that itself like the cell? I was like, why did why does it even need to be pickleball? But I, I imagine pickleball enthusiasts are going nuts. I know it's huge in like the boomer community, and it's also loud. Like I remember when this like really started taking off, there were all these reports of like fights that were breaking out at like tennis courts and pickleball courts because it was too loud, or like the pickleball players were trying to colonize the tennis courts, and like the tennis players were getting pissed. I don't know. If they have that kind of drama over in Croatia, but we definitely had it here for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, no drama is not here yet because you know why? Because Pickable literally it's brand new. I didn't even know, you know. So I jumped on Google, you know, before we we, we jumped on this series to just like see what is the history of it, and I didn't even know it's actually coming from 1965. So it's pretty uh, pretty long uh, a long time. It's actually uh, uh, um, you know existing. But uh, it's just becoming a boom now. And uh, in Croatia, literally this year, maybe this past year, it's the first time where Pickable even came to our mind. You know, we didn't have any idea it even exists. So all this drama and all of that is probably coming. <laughs> but currently, no drama yet. But I can see why, because, you know, we are very limited with tennis courts and where you can play tennis in general. And now you have all these pickable plays taking over. But uh, yeah, we work closely with them, so I don't I don't see any issues coming up. Uh, and hopefully they will they they will not. But uh, but yeah, I see why uh, why the issue arises. But uh, yeah, you know, I didn't even know it's from 1965. Like who would even think? And just now, in the couple years back, it's becoming so popular. Do you do you play pickable? You know, I'm aware of pickleball, but I haven't even played it myself. I've played a little tennis myself, and I've heard about, like, the rise of prominence of pickleball, but I just have not found myself on a on a court to play it. Maybe I'll have to go to Croatia to do it. Is this, like, it looks really nice. It looks really luxury, but is this, like, expensive? Is this something I have to save up for for a long time? Are these affordable trips? How does that, like, aspect of it work for, like, an American who'd be considering this? So I would I would think it's affordable, you know, like, for example, we now have one pickable club uh, confirming the trip just as we speak. And there is like an eight day itinerary uh, with pickable courts reserved, with yacht, with food, with drinks. And I think uh, that the final price the agents are putting out for all that include all full inclusive package, like open bar, everything included, they cost around five, six thousand dollars per person for the for the whole 
for the whole eight day trip. So I, I would say, I mean, you tell me, but I would think that's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty acceptable cost for all inclusive private yacht trip. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really priced them out, but it, it definitely does. Now I, I'm curious too, about the pick is the, is the court on the yacht or is it on that like AI floating barge that, that would be next to you? So it's actually just like you see it. So basically you take it out, you inflate it. It's really like thick plastic with the, the whole net around it. This photo in particular doesn't have the net, but it's actually the net around it. You inflate it up, you actually anchor it. It has like nine anchors, like very, very heavy. So it's very stable on one side you secure it onto the yacht and the other side you secure it onto the land so it doesn't have any movement whatsoever and it takes about 90 minutes to 100 minutes to actually inflate and set up and you're ready to play your pickleball tournament in a private bay with nobody around you i I was i was curious about that net because when i was looking at that i was like wait hold on a second if i go and chase a ball i might i might fall off in the ocean or the ball itself might you might lose a lot of balls to the sea so that that net's pretty crucial now are the seas there really calm because i met like moving seas would add like a whole different element of difficulty to pickleball yeah yeah, no no in croatia you know we have 12 12, islands so if the wind is going south, we always go on the opposite side. If it's, if it's north, we go on the opposite side. So we can always hide from the wind and find very, very calm waters where you can literally, you know, have no waves and no wind. So I don't see that being, being an issue at all. And, you know, yes, the net, good catch, absolutely. The net is all around you to secure it, and it's pretty high up. So, uh, so yeah, the waters shouldn't be shouldn't be an issue because the captain will just find a bay where you know the wind doesn't affect uh the effect of the actual field at all so we don't for, we don't see that as an issue what's the cuisine like over in croatia what is it what like the cuisine what's the food like over there huh that's a good question you know we um we we are very proud because croatia is a very diverse country right because it was governed by many different nationalities over the past. So we were governed by Austro-Hungarians, we were governed by Italians, we were governed by Romans, by Venetians. Dubrovnik used to be its own republic. So all of these different regions were governed by different nationalities. So when you look at Croatia, you cannot say that we have one cuisine, right? If you go in Zagreb area, it's full like Austro-Hungarian influence. You will see a lot of goulash, dry meats and stuff like that. If you go in Istria, you will see an amazing olive oil. We have truffles, uh, a lot of homemade pasta. If you go in Dalmatia, you will see a lot of fish and like light Mediterranean cuisine. So I would say that, you know, it's just a mix of everything. And as you travel along, you can completely taste, you know, different types of food. And uh, to just pair that with wine, you know, Zinfandel, everybody thinks, you know, Californian Zinfandel and it's U.S. wine. Well, guess what? Californians actually tried to protect the name and they had to prove that it's coming from the United States. So UCLA did a research and they found that the grape actually originated from, uh, from split area. So it's actually a Croatian wine. So we have a lot of wineries and coming in and just tasting the father of Zinfandel. So uh, cuisine scene, it's, uh, it's actually a uh, very, very amazing scene. So I would encourage everybody who is foodie 
you try and taste it because Croatia has a lot to offer in that aspect as well. It definitely sounds delicious. Now, is this something people can do this year? Or are you still building these sort of barges out? Are you still putting this thing together? Or is this something like I could do this summer? No, no, you can definitely do this summer. Like uh, the ports are coming in in May. So starting May, our yachts will have it. So whoever wants to basically, you know, book some, something like this, we have, you know, June 2nd departure available and a couple of uh, departures in, uh, in summer months, like July and August. So absolutely free to book and those cords will be ready. They're actually getting produced as we speak and we will test them out like end of April and in May we are ready to play pickable on the yachts. Now, now my last question has to do with safety. What if, what if the current pulls my pickleball barge out to sea in the middle of the game? How are you rescuing me? Uh, we have, well, the crew is of course trained to rescue, of course, but uh, if you're thinking currents, like you guys have in ocean, uh, anywhere, forget about it. Like Adriatic Sea, it's very calm, and we do not have currents like you guys have, so you, you cannot get pulled or anything like that. So the currents in Croatia are really at no risk for people in any way. Wow. Hey, the amazing project. I hope you fill up those those uh, pickleball yachts and barges. But people who want to uh, get involved, they want to book some tickets. They just want to learn more about it. Where where should I send them to? Uh, you can actually send them to our email. That's actually the best. They can contact us at sales at via-croatia.com. And uh, basically, they can get in touch and we'll put them in touch with the travel agent who can put all of this together. So sales at via-croatia.com and we will forward your requests and connect you with travel agents who are putting these pickable, uh, pickable trips together. Well, hey, Zed, I love it. Keep coming up with crazy travel ideas like this. Maybe I will see you over in Croatia. It looked beautiful. Good luck to all you pickleball players. Have an awesome weekend. Absolutely. Thank you, man. And you are invited. Take care. All right. All right. Invited. Wait, hold on a second. Does that mean I, I, I got to pay my own way or do I just get to like come? Because... That, that changes things. All right, a little good news, bad news for us in your home for the weekend. How's the bad news and good news? All right, you guys ever seen the Jigsaw movie? It was the, 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 the Saw before Saw X. And uh, there's a trap in there where people are in a grain silo and they die. Literally a saw trap. Well, right here is the Grain Weevil Bot. It maintains grain silos. Thanks for posting this real untold story. They're a Nebraska startup. They've made this cleaning robot because it's a pretty big problem, it turns out. Apparently, according to Farm Week Now, in 2020, the group did a study and they tracked 83 cases, including 24 fatalities of people trying to till these grain silos and you just get sucked down inside of them and you get crushed and you get suffocated. I actually saw a YouTube video on this. It's a horrible, horrible way to die. This is really cool. I'll have to bring them on. I want to meet this startup. But Greg Ferry says, I had a high school buddy that died in a silo. He fell in and got suffocated. David Rosendell says, my brother has recovered several bodies from grain silos. James Bowen, the rooster, he says, a mix of quicksand and sinkhole at the same time. The kernels are surprisingly excellent at locking together like Legos. Once it starts sucking you down, there's no way out. Black Hat Casper says, I've stood in many, but never in flax. We knew somebody whose son died in a bit of flax. What a way to go. Hey, you got a bunch of flax? Get one of these grain weevils. Maybe I'll have them on. You can go meet them. We put a question out here on the What the Truck Twitter. Is your carrier Mount Rushmore? What are the four faces you're putting up on that giant mountain over there? Reed Loose a lot. 
Or Lucilo, he says, uh, Hellbent Express. Speaking of, by the way, Hellbent Hagen, thank you so much for your sticker. It is now on my cowbell. Speaking of Reed, your sticker is right there. Now, keep the music down. We got a couple extra minutes to burn. We got Red right here. Thank you so much for this one. This is, remember, every dog deployed from Project K9 Hero, Ram McNally, and of course, Truckers Feed You. I do have a little more room for stickers, so if you want to send me some, send me some. Attack Dog Trucking says TMC, Swift, Western Express, or CR England. William T. Rucker says BJ and the Bear, Will and Sonny, Martin, Rubber Duck, Penwald, and Pigpen, and of course, drumroll please, Fred and Snowman. My buddy uh, Plowdog says Swift, Saya, Amazon, and Old Dominion. Rote has Schneider, CRST, Landstar, Anderson Trucking Services. Heath says Rans Trucking, Krupo Trucking, Schmedma Trucking, GP Trans. Not too familiar with all those. MetSelf Dispatch Solutions says XBO Logistics, CRST, Mercer Transportation, and Roll Transport. And uh, Ron XL Commission says Schneider, Heartland, Crete, and Warner. All right. Guys, it's been a long one. We're going to have an awesome march. I'll send you home with a little video here from TikToker Kaylee Jane, Daddy's Home. And X Heavy says, never mind the empty trailer. He's working the Jacobs with precision in the correct shifting down. Hey, people. I hope your daddy's coming home this weekend. Hit the music. We'll get us out of here Monday. Come back. I got the CEO of Hyzon, Parker Meeks, Up Partners co-founder, Cyrus Sigari, Whimsy Intermodal CEO, CEO, Matt O'Mara, and Travelers, Scott Cornell. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find this show at FW What the Truck. You can find all of these back episodes on FreightWave's YouTube channel. You like the audio version, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Evergate Podcasts. Look up What the Truck. Starting March 11th, 5 p.m. You drivers out there, Eastern Time, Road Dog, Trucking, also be able to hear this. Hey, thank you. Have an awesome week. We made it. Take care. Don't be a stranger. Thank <laughs> you.